The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the spoiler war, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show down below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by a return visitor to Down Below. Say hello to Erica. Hi, Erica. Hey, welcome hi. back. Just season three. Hi, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um... I think this was a pretty popular episode when Sinops came. Yeah, Erica, how'd you manage to snag this one? <laughs> oh no, I just had I sent it at twelve, right on the dot, and I was just like waiting and hoping and praying. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me get this one. Nice. You were the first one in, man. I know this. This is my first choice. Awesome. Well, today we are here to discuss episode 8 of season 3, Messages from Earth. But first, here's an ISN special report. This week, what could have happened for our ISN crew during this episode with Erica as the ISN chief? And on Earth, the Senate convenes this afternoon to hear President Clark's bold move to declare martial law. And cut. End of recording. I can't believe this martial law frack. We're ISN, damn it. Aren't we supposed to get, like, a heads up on this sort of thing? You can't talk like that. You know what happened last time you did something rash. Remember how hard the chief came down on you after that piece on the Psycor last year? Ugh. Well, at least it wasn't a fluff story on the dating habits of Babylon 5 command staff. That was the height of investigative journalism, wasn't it? You're one to talk. I've lost count of your gossip segments. What was that last one you did? A fashion report on armbands? That was really important work. That's not the point. I've got family back home. We all have. I want to make sure they're safe, not sitting here reporting secondhand news. You're right. I signed up for this gig for more than gossip on who's dating who. Besides, think about all the great stories we're missing out on back home. This martial law stuff is big news. I don't want to be stuck in this backwater while that's kicking off. I don't know. If you think chief stuff, it's nothing to what Earth will be like right now. Still, I reckon it's going to get interesting just about everywhere. So we've just got to persuade chief it's worthy enough to put out. What do you say? As well as we expected. I think I can keep them in line, though. Yes, we fed you reports. With that in mind, we have one last joke for you. Anything for the Night Watch. 
Hi, I'm Nukchas, the host of Nutty Bites. And hi, I'm Tech, Nutty's regular guest. Or antagonist. Our podcast is like a call-in show where geeks get to debate topics about speculative fiction. We don't really debate. Sure we do. We debate topics such as lame superpowers, the best villains, and our favorite apocalypses. We're more like rant, rave, and then have massive nerd rages. People call in from all over the world, sometimes minor celebrities, and we've even had some supervillains show up. Do you ever notice that you never have any superheroes or good guys? I'm a good guy. Compared to what? Antagonist. Not really a guest. Nutty Bites. Nimlast.org. Messages from Earth originally aired February 19, 1996. It was directed by Mike Behar, who last directed Convictions, the Screaming Bomber episode. And it was written by JMS. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have trouble with these episode titles remembering what happened in them. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember. I yeah. had to look it up last night. Like, which one was that exactly? <laughs> I was thinking it was a religious episode, but I think that was what the predictions were. <laughs> it was much easier in season one because they were more episodic, but oh. as we move forward, things tend to run into each other. Yeah. Yeah, that does happen. Because there was an episode, um, season two, that I know everything that happened for it, but I always forget it every time I rewatch it. And so it's like, I know all this important things happen in it, but what? Every time it comes up, it's just a, oh, what? That one? What's this again? Do you remember the exact page something happens in a book? No, you just remember vaguely when in the book it happens. Oh, yeah, true. Oh, and Babylon 5 is a Novel for television, so. Exactly. My dog is eyeing my berries, so (laughs) I'll keep you updated on that situation. (laughs) Your dog likes fruit, that's nice. My dog can stand. He eats some stuff, but some stuff he wants. And my cat is sitting on my shoulder. Ah, cool. (laughs) She's a parrot. Yeah, I had one. She was white. Quite pretty. She must be very light. Oh, yeah. She's no. very tiny. <laughs> well, she's very long and skinny, let's put it that way. <laughs> so let's get started with the recap. So the episode begins with Ivanova, Sheridan, and Garibaldi eating breakfast. Garibaldi's unhappy about having to eat the same breakfast over and over again. Yeah, but, I would be too. Yeah. Yeah. See some, mm-hmm. well, they're eating some, like, blue... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that looks like disgusting. Gross purple lumpy goo. Although in season one, it looked much nicer. And this I... scene really feels like something from season one, because we had a couple of breakfast scenes in there. No wonder they want bacon and eggs so bad. Um, oh. Can I ask, how, how hard can it be to get an egg over there? Like, how long do you think it takes to get from Earth to the station? Two days at least, I guess. <laughs> They're jumping. I don't know. And you'd have the, to keep them refrigerated. refrigerated. And think, think about it. It took at least 48 hours on the White Star, and that's a very fast ship. And yeah. the impression I got is when um, Lanier said 48 hours, uh, Sheridan had been up for a while, so... <sighs> Yeah, maybe more like uh, four days. Wow, it seems like whenever somebody's coming, it just like gets announced and then they're they're there. <laughs> yeah, that's because they're not yeah, announced until they get there. They're already on their way. Yeah, yeah. That's um, the speed of plot. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a geometric quote. Everything happens at the speed of plot. Ivanova gets her special breakfast delivered, bacon and eggs, courtesy of Marcus. She helped him get an identicar, so he did that for her in return. And well, no, Kate, the note came from Marcus, but maybe this is another mistaken identity thing, and it's actually from Clarence, <laughs> and Marcus just slipped the note on top. Exactly. For Clarence, yeah. I kind of love the look on Sheridan's face when she says it's from Marcus. It's like, Ooh. oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. He's like, whoa. <laughs> and they watch her eat. She's going to kill Marcus. And someone is already trying to. Yeah, elsewhere. They once again go to from a normal, well, a calm scene. Maybe it's not normal, but from a calm scene to chaos. So Marcus is fighting off some dude protecting this lady. One guy pulled out some known chokes, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. The it was more comical than anything else. I know, yeah. it was so funny. I actually <laughs> that guy who just jumped up and kicked, I don't know what. That was completely unnecessary. <laughs> it's some random lurker from down below again. They're always, always better. The lady runs away, but she gets caught, and Marcus catches up with her and saves her. And we get the opening credits. I was expecting someone to start screaming, because that seemed to be the thing, the thing yeah. that was happening <laughs> recently. So these were just guys that just rove and try to find things that people want, basically? Um, more shady bounty hunters, you know. Bounty hunters. <laughs> shadier than bounty hunters, that's the impression I got. Not as straightforward as Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the package. Yeah, yeah. from last week. Yeah. So sexist. <laughs> <laughs> although, although later on she mentioned something she found out three days ago, which is kind of interesting. Oh, because, uh, yeah, it would have been yeah. four or three days when they said it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, next, after the credits, there's an ISN report about the sin and Harry's into Santiago's death. But turns out uh, people think Clark's illness might have been an alibi for something else. <laughs> I mean, it might have mm. been an alibi. And sure um, that's, the information, that, that's the information they actually found out and then um, passed along in season two. And there's also some stuff about that new alien race that was in that recording. I was very distracted by her haircut earring yeah. It was a little odd, wasn't it? It looked like that stereotypical Egyptian, like, look, you know? Yeah. Little things and, like, a helmet-type hair. <laughs> and it was the 90s, so I'm gonna give him a pass on that. Because it was probably a real hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> In med lab, Dr. Franklin tells Marcus that this lady will be all right. Uh, she's going... He's explaining that she's going to do something that people don't want her to do, and... He's like, I've grabbed her head and moved it side to side. She seems so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that examination went on all camera. <laughs> uh, so this woman, until she started speaking, looked so much like the actress from Stargate. Um, oh, my God. My note is that this is... Um, uh, Amanda tapping soldier sister right here. 
And, and I was like, oh, we had a Stargate crossover last week. We have a Stargate crossover this week. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad it's not just me. Oh, no. Until she started talking, I thought it was her. Marcus tells Dr. Franklin to keep an eye on her and leaves. Were there any security there or anybody watching her other than Dr. Franklin? I guess nobody's going to try to break into the med lab. Maybe they were outside the door. We could give and them the benefit of the doubt. Cuts. I probably don't want them to know. That's true. It'd have to be ones who are in the yeah. inner circle or like some Bimbari or something. Yeah. Bimbari, yeah. Makes sense. Well, later on, Dodgy um, Nightwatch guy says uh, the captain's got some of the security in his pocket. I think he said so, the chief of security. Yeah, well, apparently it might not just be the chief. It might be a few other guys who aren't in Nightwatch. Uh, the chief knows won't say anything. Mm. I'm calling him the chief, but it's Garibaldi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kept calling him the chief in this episode. It's one of my notes said that. I was like, I know it's Garibaldi. So why am I right now, chief? So Garibaldi goes to visit Jakar in jail. He's been there two weeks. He's got six to go. And he's been writing some things down while he's in jail. He's been singing too. <laughs> yeah. I expect that. I kind of refer to Jakar as the Narnian exposition fairy right here. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like we did not know all this from watching the episodes, but you know, I'm going to catch everybody up. Like, kind of like they have him in solitary. <laughs> There's no hmm. other prisoners like that we could see. I'm sure they don't let him out into the yard. Babylon 5 prison. The prison is all, it's like solitary room. Maybe he can. Yeah. T- Garibaldi's been reading the book of Jaquan, and Jakar says he's going to try to have his writings finished by the time he's released. Uh, uh, we Gar- can we can read his prison memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> Garibaldi gets a call from Ivana, but it's a 7R. Like, oh, we're skipping over the point that. Uh, Jakar's been singing. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Oh! I don't know, why Jakar- can't we see this? I know. Uh, and she, Jakar has a great voice. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was yeah. just too much. Torture. Maybe they don't like the song. <laughs> I wonder if they have to do something if it gets like so many, the petition gets so many number of signatures. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good response from Captain Sheridan. <laughs> But 7R is that code we heard earlier in the season. Yeah, a few episodes that, ago. Yeah. Okay, Ivanova says they're new friends since we're that the package he's been waiting on has arrived. Marcus. That's not really cryptic enough, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Nope. It's just enough information to be intriguing without, uh, you know, actually saying anything. Yeah. But, like, if I saw that message, I said, wait a minute, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just say we have some forms for you to fill out. Nobody will care. Right. Yeah. Jakar is already yes, suspicious. Yes, that was better. So in the council meeting, Garib- yeah, this is the part I had the most problem with this episode. <laughs> Garibaldi says that seven years ago he saw something, but he didn't want to say anything about it until he, until someone could back up his story. I think he would just mention that he's seen you know, ships that look like this before, maybe to Sheridan. Yeah, and yeah. also, Delenn maybe should have mentioned before how, like, bodies have to merge with those ships. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Later. JMS was saying something to Lurkus guy, you know, the Minbari know more than they tell people, but we, we know that already. 
That's yeah, true. Yeah, I was like, never surprised when Delenn just suddenly knows something. In my head, she just like, I just say, oh, she just knows everything. And we'll never tell you until the moment you need to know. She's and actually, it was probably about two minutes after you really needed to know it. But that's but, true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was probably some Mimbari ceremony going on at that time, and she just couldn't get around to it. I know Caster Thrones came up with Pop-Up Littlefinger for all the exposition <laughs> he does, so we should have Pop-Up Dulin. <laughs> Did you know who? So this lady is Dr. Mary Kirkish, who's played by Nancy Stafford. She was in a double pearl. Every show ever from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, she was in like 109 episodes of Matlock, so she must have been somebody important. Oh, yes. And Nessie Ezerman just going under a different name, and she's actually immortal. I would love that. I don't remember much about Matlock. She was his I watched Matlock so much. It's on my DVR, actually. It's good that it's still on TV somewhere. Yeah. I was watching, like, episodes of 227, like, not too long ago. <laughs> the only time I ever heard of that show was on The Simpsons, and for a long time I just thought it was a fictional TV series. Oh. <laughs> it's so real. It's Andy Taylor. Yeah. it's it, I love lawyer shows. Like, I could watch that and Perry Mason all day. Yeah. Lawyer like shows. Like old lawyer shows, shows, you mean? Yeah, I was no, But no, Perry Mason, like, because I had just started reading the Perry Mason books, and I said, I don't see why some, like, they're always rebooting things. You could do this pretty easily. And that book was, for, like, from the 30s, so. She was also on St. Elsewhere, and I was thinking last night, you just don't, they just don't do shows like that anymore. I miss shows from, like, back in that era. I know we're in, it's like, this golden age of TV right now, but. Some nostalgia for old school TV. Yeah. That's Dr. Vaughn tells her story. It's a long story, too. <laughs> so she's been working with interplanetary expeditions for 12 years, and she was on Mars seven years ago when they picked up something 300 feet beneath the surface and had to have been there for at least a thousand years. They yeah. dug half of it out, and it was a ship like the one that's been on the news lately. So what do you make of this sequence in itself? Not just the information revealed here, but the whole way they've gone about, about editing in the story as a voiceover over these effects and stuff, and the sound, especially in this sequence. Is... I thought it was well done. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, nothing stood out. Okay, I was it's just trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Right, paying attention to what's being said, because it just gives me goosebumps every time I hear this story. Yeah, I was creeping me out listening to this, even though I was expecting it. I always like that... Sorry. Oh, no, that's right. I always like that the little... There was, like, the little exposition came with readouts on it, like, in her memory. And I said, well, that's a very detailed memory. Well, something like that would stick in your brain, I think, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but... Yeah. I really want to know why their ships look like that. It just seems so odd that they would be ships that look like that. Uh, you know, little tentacles, I wonder what the purpose is. It just makes them look evil. That's kind of the purpose in my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> kind, of the, kind of the point. 
So they're lying back home when they say they haven't seen these ships before. Sheridan thinks it might be an excuse to tighten security back home. Kind of, uh, and Good deduction, because that's basically what the secret cabal said at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is this what they were talking about? Delin says they must be trying to find out who knows, who else knows about them. Then Dr. Mary goes on, this is just the start. Not many people knew about this. All the rest who knew are either dead or missing or she thinks something's going to happen to her when she leaves. So she's saying that everybody on from interplanetary expedition, expedition that was working on this has died or gone missing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So this kind of, this, she said seven years ago, so this means the shadows were awake before the Icarus arrived at Zahadun two years ago. Oh. I thought the Icarus arrived, um, around the same time. Mm-mm. Uh, it was the shadow was two years ago, I thought they said. Okay. No, I, don't... I thought, I thought, um, at the start of season two, it was five years ago that, that sounds um, familiar. the Icarus was lost. Which would make it seven years ago now at this point of the story. Mm. Oh, but we wouldn't even have heard of it until Sheridan showed up. Hmm. Uh, it's just an interesting small part of the continuity that I, I'm not sure about my, myself, but Garibaldi does reveal something quite interesting. Uh, okay, is... I have to ask something. So, yeah. in her story, they found this ship. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, another ship shows up to, like, break yeah. it free. Yeah, a little while after a load of unmarked Earth ships went in, uh, presumably right, so, to take over the excavation. So are we to believe, just from what she's saying, that the Earth sent another ship to get it? It's, it's unclear what exactly happened, but somehow... Um, the shadows found out about the ship on Mars and another ship was sent. I don't know whether Earth sent for them or whether there was an automated beacon aboard the ship, but something happened. Or if Morden found out about it and told mm. the shadows. Perhaps. There's mm. a um, note about that in the lurker guy. I, I didn't hear everything you were saying, but about how the other ship came... It's later on. Not later on. Oh, if I remember. I'm not sure. Oh, I've just realised something about the timeline. Yes, this this could have happened before uh, the Icarus was sent to Zahadu because perhaps OPX and Earth found out about Zahadu from these ships. Mm. Because mm. the Icarus was one of their ships, right? Was yeah. with with and uh, yeah. Okay. Icarus departed on. December 2256, and right now it's 2260. Okay. So, shadow, so that was four years ago. Yeah, so the shadow, three years after this thing that happened on Mars. Oh, well, that seems like not... I mean, that seems too coincidental not to be related. Mm, definitely. Having this happen and then them going to that planet. So they towed Earth Central, and one worker accidentally touched the ship and instantly died. A week later, they were told to stop digging and go to another base, and they waited around while all these unmarked shuttles moved around the area, and all of a sudden, they stopped, stopped, and they saw another shadow ship come to dig the other ship out. They were warned not to say anything about what they had seen and were broken up and sent 
different assignments. They were warned not to say anything about what they saw. Oh, I said that already. Garibaldi was piloting a shuttle and Mars on Mars around the same time and saw some of what happened. When he finally got around to checking out the scene, all he found was a Psychor badge. Yeah. Or um, <laughs> Will. Yes. Am I right in thinking this little bit of trivia about the other person? The other person is meant to be Sinclair, I think. Yeah. <laughs> There was a mention in the Lurker's Guide, I can't remember what exactly the explanation was, like maybe he didn't want to, you know, bring Sinclair into this. this. Yeah. What other person? He Basically. Was oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'll go put that. Yeah, um, Garibaldi was piloting a shuttle with someone else aboard. That someone mm-hmm. else was Sinclair. Okay. That's how the two of them knew each other. <laughs> so, yeah, it turns out, that another of these ships has been... Wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, the Psychor the badge. Yeah. Yeah. Is that supposed to be the badge of the person that touched the ship? No, um, it's meant to be a badge that belonged to a Psychor individual that was in one of the unmarked ships. Oh, their badge just fell out the window? And dropped it. <laughs> I don't know window. what happened. <laughs> Boy, that's not very no. secure. <laughs> no. He was down there and... Yeah. On the planet and fell off. Maybe he got caught in the blast when um, the one shadow ship was cutting the other one out. Does Psychor really need a badge? I mean, can't they just read each other and be like, oh yeah, okay. Mm Yeah. So Earth wants to study this new ship that's been found on Gadimede and find out how to lose it, and they want us to become more like them. Delenn's made arrangements to have the doctor sent to Minbari's face if she goes out with Veneer. Yeah, actually, just before she leaves, the l- it's very subtle and she's in the background, but the look she gives when Kirkis says that Earth wants to become more like the shadows. And Delenn? Yeah, Delenn. Yeah, I was watching her facial expressions, yeah. She looks yeah. really worried when she hears that. I always kind of watch Delenn's expressions because she's really good at them. Yeah, there are some... You can always some, tell... <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying you can always tell what's going on in the character's head when you're looking at her, and I just always think that's so great. Yeah, I noticed her a few times in this episode, like in the ship later on, she gives Sheridan this, like, come take me now face, and then later on... <laughs> 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 oh, but... You know, that, 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 that is exactly, <laughs> but, you know. It was, yes, when they were in that battle, she, she does something like really cool, and she's like. Yeah, oh. but remember there's a five-hour ritual that Sheridan has to complete before you can come hither. But, okay, that's funny, but, um, what do you think, really, they mean by Earth wants to be more like the shadows? Because what, I mean, just because they want to be more just powerful? Be able to just kill anything? I don't get it. They want to be able to merge into a powerful spider ship? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there's stuff, I mean, I, this is where the stuff we don't know becomes kind of annoying. Because I'm just like, they say these things and I'm going, there's no context for this. Like, why do they want to be like the, the spider yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, it just sounds so evil, like, bla- like just, like, no shades of gray evil. Hmm. 
Because I was just thinking about this, because I know, like, some of the story is being referenced in a comic book that was being produced at this time. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to go and see if I can find this. So, because I've... Is it like I, a canon? Is it part of canon? I believe so. Because it, it's directly referencing this story. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's the thing with some of the ancillary materials that is produced. Half of it's canon, half of it isn't. And from what I've heard about the comic books, maybe the first how so many issues were canon and the rest weren't. Something like that, anyway. Yeah, but... Cause it, just watching this episode and just seeing, like, wait a minute, there's there are there is something... Not missing, but, you know, that we aren't getting on the screen. And I kind of want to know what it was. I don't know if it'll influence the way I see the story, but... Well, if you find them, send them to us, because I wouldn't mind reading them. Okay. Yeah, apparently there's a issue of, a, of the comic book which actually shows Sinclair and President Clark finding out about the Membari Souls thing. Mm. Oh, you mean the the whole thing that got dropped? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, sharing the, the, the two, uh, and showing um, Sinclair going to Memba, apparently. Oh, so that'd be that's, an interesting be cool. comic to have a look yeah. at. Yeah. Nice if they would reprint those. <laughs> I would love it. So Franklin's saying that if Earth and Psycho are working with the shadows, it's just too big and... Sheridan wants to think about this alone and sends everybody away except or do then. He's like, I want to be alone. Let's <laughs> I want to be alone with you. <laughs> <laughs> so this security guy goes to see Garibaldi but finds Zach. He's just listed as security guard number one. He was This guy played an admiral on Star Trek Enterprise. Wait, is this the guy? Not the blonde guy. Yeah. Oh, he was a security guard? The Nightwatch guy. Oh, yeah. Yep. I thought of his yeah, he's oh, a security guard. So he's actually from the ship. Yeah, he's on... Bat- he's a B-5 guy. Oh, okay. Did not get that. I thought he was from Earth um, as a night watch person. He must be like a... Probably been like a- For some reason, he's higher up in night watch, but in terms of rank on the station, he's below um, Zack. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Seems like bossing him around. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, I because- guess... Yeah, I found that interesting. I guess the Night Watch outranks the normal station personnel. He seemed to be getting, like, his jollies from it. Let's just say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy was so creepy. Yeah. Annoying. He was actually a bit over the top at a couple of points, I thought. Yeah. Actually, I think I just referred to him as Night Watch douche in my notes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, NWD. Yeah, no subtlety to him. He tells Zach about a night watch meeting coming up. Next, Sheridan takes off his badge and Dylan says that it's done and she's... Oh, wait, hold on. Is this where he says he feels like God when he, like, looks at all the people on the camera? Yeah. 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 Yes. That guy. Oh. Oh, that guy, yeah. Eternal vigilance is the price of... Oh, maybe that's a quote somebody has. Sorry. But that was... I mean, they're really, like, really hitting this hard. The yeah. Whole, like, yeah. fascism and all that stuff. Like, maybe four stuff. It's definitely not subtle. No. But it's good. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, Will. 
Uh, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, she sent Lanier ahead to make arrangements, and it's time to tell the others. Did you just call Lanier Junior? <laughs> Did I say that? No, I don't I think, think so. No. <laughs> Maybe you didn't. <laughs> Sheridan says that they can't let Clark get a hold of a shadow ship, so they need to stop the ship before it leaves Ganymede. And he and Delina are going to take the White Star there to destroy the ship. The others are worried that they're going to be outgunned and that they're taking on Earth, but Sheridan's already made up his mind and he's leaving the rest to cover him while he's gone. And he's going to leave behind anything that could lead back to B5. There's that cliche line about, I tell you to do this, but I know I don't have to. <laughs> but take care, care of B5. So they I mean, have- I guess, like, I, I could kind of, I mean, I, like, really, like, there should be rangers that can do this. But at the same time, like, well, he's supposed to be this really good commander of a, of ship. So I can kind of. Yeah, that's what you know. Marcus said earlier. I mean, later on, um, he actually said, he thought uh, Sheridan would send Marcus to do this because he's a ranger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're covering all their bases in case anything goes wrong. They're going to have some kind of, they have a cover story. And he doesn't like this, but they all knew they would have to deal with Earth sooner or later. They'll try to get back if they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting that the doctor's either going to have to fake a dead body. Yeah, he's like, get on that. Get some <laughs> yeah. Probably just some random lurker. <laughs> <laughs> or lurker, those, like, those lurkers. Those lurkers that died last week. Just get one of those. On uh, the White Star, we see Sheridan wearing his rebel jacket leather. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, God. That was so funny to me. Is this the where Delenn. Just the way he was dressed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is where Delenn touches him on the arm and he starts to feel better about everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, she just kind of touches him kind of constantly in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I just noticed that it's like, okay, signals. They're not subtle. No, not at all. <laughs> this one's mine. It's not subtle, but yet it feels like it's taking forever. Oh, like, yeah. Do it oh already. God, it, yes. Apparently there is one human on the White Star in this episode. I never noticed. Him. Other than like, The White Star looks... It looks amphibian. Like, when they have that long shot looking down on it. And yeah. And like eyes and, like, really dead. Every time I see it, I see... Um, that it looks like a plucked chicken because I think JMS. <laughs> oh, no. And every, every, ever since he said that, I can't unsee it. So no, it kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> so, if you're so, being mean, yes. I, uh, I, I, I actually like the ship. I like yeah. the ship, but every time I see it, I think of him saying that, and it's like, oh my god, I see it. <laughs> it's there. It looks like a chicken. And there's a night watch meeting. Apparently, they've been effective at what they've been doing. According to them, they found a lot of corruption. I think it's part of an organized effort to weaken the government from within, a prelude to an invasion. So Earth needs to get all the information they can, and Nightwatch has pretty much all the authority they need to get it. But Nightwatch people are cool. We don't have to question themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's Two months down the line, we'll start questioning that Nightwatch people if, you do, if you're not in line. I feel like everybody should just join Nightwatch then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get her free pass. And, yeah. 50 credits, uh, 
pass on criminal and unethical activities. Yeah. The officers won't be looked into unless they do something suspicious. And then this one Night Watch member who... That lady Francie, right there. I yeah, Francie. She asked... Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she asks if anybody knows where the captain is. Just Francie on alias. Marin Dungey. Right? Oh, yeah. I never watched. I knew she looked familiar, though. And over in hyperspace, Captain Sheridan's dozing off. <laughs> or about 32 <laughs> hours from their destination. And I have a note somewhere in the Night Watch about extras and uh, background players that I they did some ridiculously overdramatic like acting that I yeah, yeah I, hate I, I think I know what you mean. It's kind <laughs> of the hmm, yes yes where is the captain yes. <laughs> That's why they're extras. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. No, it's sure, true. there are some good extras. I'm sure there are. I just don't ever see them. <laughs> I think they're usually in drowsy makeup. <laughs> well, yeah, they put all the good extras under layers of makeup. The near convinces him to go arrest, but he has trouble in that Minbari style band. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What did Delin say? It's like inviting something, sleeping horizontally. Uh, yeah, sleeping in the horizontal is inviting death. Okay. Oh, stupid Mabari. I mean, come on. Do they really sleep like that all the time? Yeah. Must be always, like, sleep-deprived. I guess not if you were used to it. Yeah. I do like the the way he got on here. It's like he was about to fall off. It had me laugh. Did he not know she was there before she started speaking? I know. Well, yeah, that was like, (laughs) what? Uh, And he went into the bunk right next to her as well. Maybe she did, he just thought she was sleeping because her, her back was turned to him at first. Maybe he didn't want to wake her. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a nice little talk about the rain and mm-hmm. she eventually falls asleep after Dylan makes it rain. There's an app for that, by the way. It's a little less impressive now we've got more modern technology than mid-90s. Oh, but it's romantic. And she says she's gonna watch him while he sleeps. So, well, that's well, a little that's creepy. creepy. That's not romantic. A little creepy. Oh, oh he's romantic. He is. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> you find Edward romantic in the Twilight books too? <laughs> no, it's the way she phrases it. The emphasis oh. isn't on watching him; it's <laughs> on catching him when he falls. Also, he knows she's there. She's there for him when he needs her. And they're holding hands. (laughs) The point is, it's not about her watching him whilst he sleeps. It's about her being there when he needs her. Okay, Ian, we get it. You ship I'm sorry, I'm... I'm, 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 I I suppose I am a shipper for Delenn and Sheridan. That's all right. I am too. What's their shipper name? Do they have one? That was before that. Yeah. We need to make one. No, it's just the Lennon Sheridan. No, no, no. We have to have a shipper name. <laughs> Sherilyn or oh my God. Garadin. <laughs> it all is like nice in the brain. I like Shalen. Shalen. <laughs> That's nice. That's a, that sounds like a Game of Thrones name. <laughs> we're ge- we're going to go with that one, Elizabeth. <laughs> there, now Shalen. And oh, that would make uh, the Sinclair Delenn Silen? Silen and Silen. Silen and Silen. Silen and Silen. 
Y'all, this thing made me miss, like, falling asleep in the south during the rain. I mean, up here it rains. It's more of a constant drizzle. But in the south we had real storms. I miss falling asleep to that. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. You never get that. That's fine. So next, Marcus is updating Ivanova, but she's kind of distracted. I love this thing. Dragons. Oh, yeah. Well, they mention again the ships amassing in Centauri space, so guess we'll find out. She doesn't know how to relate to him because she doesn't know how to fit how he fits into their structure. She's kind of holding Marcus responsible for where the captain's going. But Mark- it's brilliantly in character this bit, yeah. it, and so is the dialogue because in what um, Marcus says, he use he says trousers rather than pants, which is yes, that's we say trousers, so. <laughs> Brilliant. You say biscuits too, which I actually look at. <laughs> no, biscuits Sorry. are fluffy and delicious and covered with gravy. Yes, not as okay. Yeah, I was watching this movie. Yes, they're I just wrong. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Marcus uh, says that he I'll thought. I'll agree to disagree. <laughs> Marcus says that he thought Sheridan would send him. Ivanova doesn't know who else to blame but Marcus. Oh. The White Star arrives and they pick up a signal from Ganymede. They hear that someone is about to go into the shadow ship to merge. Delin says that this could be dangerous because the subject hasn't been properly prepared. She seems really informed here. Yeah, she's a, probably learned a lot from Borlon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means though. So they are like. I mean, I guess we'll find out, but this is very vague. I mean, they're just, they have some kind of living creature that Earth is going to try to put into it. Does that mean they're trying to put in, like, a a monkey? <laughs> uh, a human? Like, very- yeah, the impression I got is that a human, you know, someone was attempting to merge with the ship, but apparently they're not supposed to do that. Unless- is that like a psychic merge? It seems like a Physical, physical merge, didn't it? Yeah, like, they yeah. would be yeah. sort of become part of the ship. Yeah, the that's guy that the touched it before, like, died instantly. So there must be one part of the ship you could touch without <clears throat> Yeah, there must be a, a way for the merge to happen, but they didn't quite do it right. Yeah, so they... it really is like that little Men in Black character, where he's, like, inside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you signed on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My Skype notifications. Um, yeah, so the person goes in the ship and it awakens and starts destroying everything. I don't know about you guys, but I thought the sound design here was very clever because the sound this, ship's, this ship makes is slightly different and creepier and actually sounds like it's insane compared to the normal shadow ship. Maybe I've just watched it enough times to pick up on that. That part of it, sure. I mean, it did kind of sound insane, but I couldn't really tell a lot of the difference. Yeah, like the the normal shell ship sounds like, you know, pure evil anyway, so it's kind of hard, the crazy evil and pure evil. Okay. Yeah, I'm beginning to think that we're not going to get much, like, other side of the story type thing with these shadow ships. It just seems like they are going to be just very evil. 
Dillian says the ship is out of control and would destroy everything in its path. But since it's confused, they do have a small chance. They fire, but they don't do a whole lot of damage. And, but they did get the ship mad enough to follow them. They said, Okay, but is this the part where he says weapon systems and then those two chairs come together? Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> that was so much fun. Yeah, definitely. Each of those, um, I don't know whether they're pilots or what you could call them, but they've got these little um, visor screens as well in their own little pods. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Someone noted that Sheridan would like say in order and they would instantly obey. JMS said that, you know, Lanier was back there mumbling, translating under his breath. He was just, <laughs> that was his <laughs> excuse. <laughs> so, that works. Yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> so, I didn't even notice, so fine. Convenience, yeah. So that was, uh, they said, of course, for Jupiter, they're going to go inside and once again, they're going to have to try to outthink the shadows like in the first episode. So once they go far enough into the atmosphere, they turn back and the shadow ship keeps going and is destroyed by the pressure. I like the effect here, though. Yeah, the way it's crushed. It just looks like a dead spider. Yeah, it does. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Flushing down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And also, they, they use the physics of Jupiter really well because... The energy weapons ignite the hydrogen, uh, and, and the jump gate, it's got this extra electricity or something crackling around it, and yeah. that looks like, you know, the atmosphere is affecting it. So I think that's two really nice touches. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they don't get to celebrate long because the Agamemnon shows up and fires on them. Yeah. Okay, is that, that's a stinky ship, right? That's the no, ship that he used yeah. to have. And that's some... Sheridan's old ship, the one that he arrived on. He used to be. Right. In we just don't know who's piloting it now. Yeah. See, Sheridan won't fire on his old ship. So the lens suggests they do a jump from inside the atmosphere, or they decide to do that jump. It's we've seen on another sci-fi show, didn't we? <laughs> if they do that on BSG, it's like the baddest thing ever. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They blew their yeah. budget for the season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things about this episode is how, you know, kind of put upon Lanier was in it. Because yeah. I was dealing with Sheridan <laughs> who are who are very good people and very smart leaders, but they are also kind of nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Lanier was at the end of his rope there for a while. Yeah. I'm never going right with you. <laughs> I, I'm probably the only person uh, that feels this way, so I'm sorry, but I'm really getting tired of the lens earnest voice. <laughs> <laughs> Where she's like, you have to do this. I just, I don't know. <laughs> they are heading home to B5, and Sheridan says they'll be back sometime. They're going to finish on Babylon 5, there's the ISM report about some strange alien ship attacking Ganymede, and it was destroyed by the Agamemnon, and Clark is thinking about greater security measures. And Zack is talking to security guard number one. <laughs> he wants to know why the captain was gone. He thinks that's unusual behavior, and wants Zack to try to get some info from Garibaldi, but Zack doesn't think Garibaldi would trust him. 
in case we've forgotten. Sorry, uh-huh. I was just saying this whole scene is in case you've forgotten. Zach's in an awkward place at the moment, or between two worlds almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like security guard number one is going to have to meet with an accident. <laughs> Too far in it. I don't know. I don't think he's all that much of a uh, impediment. It's just that he's because he doesn't seem that bright, to be honest. He's just <laughs> he's a little. I know he's just a little too happy with his power that being in Nightwatch has given him, and he's just like, I am going to do something dumb and take myself out of the game. Or at least that's what, you know. I don't know, he just seems of... like he's too interested in in no. Sheridan and Garibaldi. That's I don't think he's just... too interesting, because honestly, they are kind of suspicious and shady, and there is a conspiracy going on. So he is right to be suspicious of him, Oh well, yeah, he's but... just inconvenient. <laughs> he's in the way. Exactly. Exactly. That's why he's gonna be a red shirt and go out. <laughs> oh man, I would love to see. What would I love? I forgot what I was gonna say. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Ivanova gets a visit from Marcus. Uh, he's made a chart to show her where he fits in <laughs> on B5 using. Out of the He's cute. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this chart. Yes, I wish they had gotten like a better close-up. It was. I also like that yeah. he said it's a nice picture of my mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Marcus and Ivanova shipper. Oh, huh. that's so cute. What Marcus? Is I shipped him. Cold. The hard one. Oh, here I'm shipping him. She gets a call to turn on ISN, and it says that President Clark has declared martial law throughout Earth Central. That's the and answer. on a day, humor to this. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Well, we can well, see this coming. Yeah. Let's see. I've been... What notes do I have? Oh, yeah. This is um, a note about the comic book tie-in. Apparently, when the White Star is jumping to hyperspace, there's one frame where the background changes to look like an alien cityscape, and it's a shot from Hypernauts, which was its children's sci-fi show, that its special effects were done by the same company that did Babylon 5 special effects. Ah. So it's kind of like how Firefly was in BSG for like a little bit of this little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Serenity listening. So, yeah, JMS said that this episode, in his opinion, was the best they had done so far. And so a lot of CGI, uh, hundred CGI shots, live yeah, action and compositing, four pages of action. It was an, all, it was an all-time record at the time. Yeah. And they said it came out better than they expected. <laughs> it was, oh, like coming of shadows, there's a real sense of story being told and major events happening at breakneck speed. So people were kind of surprised at how fast things kind of happened. And he also said that this was a great point to bring in new people to the show. Kind of. If you don't mind a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That's kind of like always. (laughs) So I don't think there's any point where there's no questions. Yeah. It's kind of his job to say, oh, this is a great point for new viewers to jump on. But my, you know, I'm always, start from the beginning. No but at what. the time, 
Yeah. There was really no way to do that, right? Oh, I don't remember. It's like 20 years ago. All right, do we have quotes? I forgot to go back and get my quote. I had a note about which quote I wanted to use. I have a quote. I actually wrote it down this time. Oh, yay. Um, I have linear. If we were holding anything back, I would tell you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that was one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I love That's it. like a, yeah, a cliche kind of line that Sheridan gave. <laughs> it almost turned on its head, though, because, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't expect that sort of line to come out of a Starfleet officer, you know. Yeah. I have to say, my favorite, like I said, my favorite thing about the episode about Lanier was that how increasingly you could tell it was, they were just getting on his nerves so hard. And it's like, yeah. Oh my god, I, I would push you out of airlock if I could. Oh, but no. Uh, here's my quote. In here, Mr. Garibaldi, you cannot hide from yourself. Everything out there has only one purpose to distract ourselves from what is truly important. And there goes another one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they were very good. So, of course someone else took them. Those were your two quotes? i go for the Marcus quote, then. Oh, they I'm going to take it unless you want it, Elizabeth. Be no, Marcus. No. no. Okay. Because there's a whole bit before this, but I've started it with, there's always a threat of an attack by, say, a giant space dragon. The kind that eats the sun every 30 days, it's a nuisance, but what do you expect from reptiles? Did I mention that my nose is on fire and I have 15 wild badgers living in my trousers? <laughs> I love a Oliver's look and final bit of it. This good. I'm sorry, would you prefer ferrets? <laughs> it's a bit long, but I love it. <laughs> Any others? Erica? Oh, it, uh, I don't know if I want to read it all, but I did really like the quote... Um, Sheridan gave about his dad in the rain, but that is way too long. So that story, but mm-hmm. that it was, was like my story. favorite bit. It just made me man think, man, your dad is really coming great, isn't he? Yeah, his dad is. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I have one between uh, Jakar and Garibaldi. Like Jakar says, sometimes I even sing Garibaldi. I know we got a petition <laughs> for or against. Based on the sound, they think we're torturing you in here. <laughs> that doesn't mean to say it wasn't um, Bullmore, but it might just be a load of Centauri saying, yes, continue with the torture. <laughs> That's true. Um, also, just because it sounds like torture to uh, a different race's ear doesn't mean that he's a poor singer when it comes to being a Narn. Oh, yeah. uh, yes. Sure. All right. <laughs> Characters of the week. Who's our human of the week? Well, mine is Sheridan. But to be honest, mine is always Sheridan. I just love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Sheridan. Yeah, I just couldn't really give to anybody else. I had a thought that it was somebody else, but now I can't remember who it was. So never mind. First for Sheridan this season. So who is oh, that? wow. Yeah. <laughs> we even gave it to Morden in the first episode. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. <clears throat> You don't have to be a good human, just human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is our alien of the week. Well, isn't it kind of Delin by default? <laughs> or Lanier. Yeah. Lanier. Or, uh, oh, no, yeah. yes, L- Lanier. Yeah, Lanier, because, yeah, you said okay. Delin does some great background acting, but this week he just stole that background acting right from under her. Yeah, Lanier. 
He had to put up with Sheridan and Dolan, so I think he deserves some sort of reward. <laughs> I wonder what Clarence is up to. Mm. Probably wondering well, what's going on. Well, if you think about it, if Sinclair's off station and Ivanova's running things, that puts Clarence in Ivanova's normal role. You just said Sinclair. I yes, did, not. <laughs> I was just going to let him go. <laughs> All right, let's rate this episode. You want to start us out, Erica? Uh, okay, so I really love this episode. And I have really loved it for like 20 years. And every time I watch, because if you had been in my house, I was shrieking with delight. So mm-hmm. I will rate it uh 9.5 rain on us rooftops. Oh. <laughs> because I love that story and I love, actually, I just love anything that has Sheridan and Dylan, even though it's taking like forever for anything to happen. But, okay. How about you, Heidi? I really enjoyed this one and I only got to watch it once and I really want to go back and watch it again because there was a lot to, a lot to digest. Um, I am going to give it a 9 out of 10 um, blossoming romances. Oh. <laughs> How about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, it was a good episode. Um, I can tell it's like one of the ones that people really, really like. Even though I, I liked it, but it wasn't... There were some parts that dragged it a little bit for me, and one of them was the whole... I'm sorry. I don't know why I didn't really like the White Star as much as everybody else, but at that those parts. But um, no, it was really good, and it had a lot of good information and stuff going on. And I really am interested in the whole Zach subplot. Actually, I think it's interesting to see what he will do, and I like seeing his struggle there. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it. I guess I have to go with the same type of rating system. I'm gonna give it nine. Dad's making it rain. <laughs> Ian? Oh, yes. Well, how can I not like this episode? It's, it's Babylon 5. Season 3 is right in the middle of Babylon 5, and this is, well, it's, it's one of the things that stand out whenever I think of Babylon 5, this story. Um, I say this story because, the, but the whole of Babylon 5 is one story. I should, this episode. And, as I said before, the story Dr. Kirkus tells of them awakening this shadow vessel on Mars, it's excellent. I think this, um, this whole bit about this thing on Mars, the, the way the effects show Mars, and the Mars trilogy of books by Kim Stanley Robinson is what made me fall in love with that planet. It just—it's just so alien yet so beautiful. Um, so that's got a bonus there for it. And yeah, so much information in this episode. So many things going on and changing, and there's a real momentum here. So I've got to give it nine out of ten dead spiders. Awesome. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> so. I, mean, I, just, I really enjoyed the episode. So I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 atmospheric jumps. So that's the total score, 9.1. Nice. All right. Close that. So let's take an atmospheric jump to feedback land, shall we? 
Why am I talking that like this? A- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're running out of time. So I'm going to take the first one from Board 99. Board says, fascinating to hear such high estimations of exogenesis from most of you. I think Ian's view is probably the more common one among B5 fans. As for messages from Earth, it's hard to communicate just how special the experience of seeing the end of messages from Earth on viewing, on first viewing back in the 90s was for me. One of those moments where one can't wait for next week to find out what happens. I don't know that it could have had such an impact on another point, at another point in American televisual history. Nowadays, this sort of thing is pretty common, where an episode ends in a way that alters the status quo, so you can't be watching the same show from now on without absolutely ridiculous use of the reset button. Game of Thrones is built around such moments. So it's worth noting that, noting all the careful work that JMS put into building up to this moment. Work that might not seem necessary nowadays. One, Quite a lot of B5 episodes from season 1 through 2, including relative clunkers like Eyes, serve to establish that B5 doesn't conveniently forget about things in the manner of some shows and treat them as not having happened for narrative purposes. On the other hand, several uh, there have been several episodes in which things have been resolved quickly and neatly within the narrative, and one can imagine that happening here, but that actually adds to the effect. The viewer doesn't know whether next episode will see Clark overthrown by the end of the hour or whether this is a long-term change in the story of the show. Secondly, this particular episode is a close mirror of the season opener Matters of Honor, especially in its elements of dueling with a shadow vessel and seeking to conceal this from Earth authority. This makes quite a bit of messages from Earth even feel a little bit routine, seeming to reflect the situation where this is the new status quo every week. Sheridan and the rest of our heroes will face another shadow threat while trying to avoid having Earth know about it. The show, then the show blows that up at the end of the episode. Thank you, Ward. Thanks, Ward. Yeah, another great bit of feedback. Our next email is from Lori and Carl. Let's take that one. I'll take it. Our commentary. So now Ivanova is getting bacon and eggs from Marcus for a favor. Sounds like he's a good person to do favors for. But Carl says he really needs a haircut. I'm beginning to agree. (laughs) However, it was good to see them address how they struggle with food variety on the station. We see that Jakar is still in prison and seems to be happier than ever. It will be interesting to see what he is like when he is out. What do the ambassadors think? I think he'll be a changed person. Um, Carl noted that the introduction of the blonde woman, Dr. Kirkish, was a bit odd with the music, direction, and slow-mo, and Garibaldi's storytelling, but it was fairly significant and well told. That reminds me, we got the power walk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You know, the the 90s TV power walk. They do it in Buffy, they do it in Angel. (laughs) And they were walking to the thing? Yep. Okay. That was oh, it. Yeah. The slow mo, and yep, that was it. Um, if this was a Joss Whedon show, that would be the end shot of the credits yeah. next season. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Carl's favorite scene was of the Mimbari bedroom. Can't wait to hear you all discuss. Carl said the innuendos were not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the story about the rain and the garden hose. It is one I think back on quite a bit. Lori, you should totally do that to Carl. Yes. <laughs> Just randomly <laughs> spray his window. 
We find out that shadow ships have sentient beings at their core, and Delenn knew this, but did not tell anyone. (laughs) Carl was not too surprised. What about you all? No. No. The space scene with the White Star versus Shadow was well done, and I don't think even Carl complained about the special effects. However, he did wonder if the Agamemnon could track their jump coordinates. Ian? Will? I think we talked about this at some point, right? Yeah, and there's actually a line in it that they want to be far away from where they jumped by the time the Agamemnon goes after them. So I think they can track the fact that they've jumped uh, to the nearest beacon and maybe pick up a trail around there, but if the ship's too far away, they can't track them. Okay. That's the impression I get. Loved the last scene with Marcus showing Ivanova the organization chart. It was fun to see her smile. Quotes. Um, let's see. We did the Jakar singing one. Um, and we did the Sheridan Lanier one too. So, uh, let's see. Carl's rating four. Hmm. With a winky face. <laughs> now you're messing with us, Carl, because your ratings don't go beyond three. Oh, well, uh, apparently, overall, he really enjoyed this episode, including Marcus and the new techniques used in production. So that's an extremely high rating. Yeah. Extremely. <laughs> He's broken his rating. All right, yeah. Best of the episode set the quote-unquote bedroom. Ship <laughs> buried spider ship. Wooing attempts eggs and bacon. <laughs> yes. Uh, better than the raining sound. Better than the raining sound. Um, human overzealous night watch woman behind Zach. <laughs> Alien. <laughs> Mimbari pilot dude on White Star in weird pod thing. That looked like bumper cars. Yeah. <laughs> and Lori's is 8.75 out of 10 triangle pillows. Human Marcus. <laughs> Alien. A triangle pillow. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, the Membari do, do like Membari. their triangles. They do like triangles, yes. Um, Alien Lanier for his great comments and expressions on the White Star. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. brilliant feedback is all. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. I've said it before, but you guys just make me laugh so much. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Next, we have an email from Michael. Okay, I'll do Michael. Hopefully, there's nothing spoilery in Michael's. I had a problem with last week's feedback. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. Last week's break has, again, given me chance to catch up, and just in time, as these next few episodes are some of the very best, if my memory serves me correctly. In this week's episode, the White Star finally makes a reappearance after its introduction at the start of the season, and Sheridan again proves his tactical skills in combat. But before all of that, we get some nice moments over breakfast, and Marcus taking part in a pretty good contentious fight scene. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he did hold his own. Oh, I'm just laughing at the good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's his opinion. Sorry, guys. Cat. The extras were a little bit overly acrobatic, but it was still cool. Jakar is making the most of his time in captivity. 
I wonder if he's writing a crime drama or young adult fiction. Both <laughs> would likely sell well. I'd like to think he is writing YA. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'd read that. Oh, brilliant. The meeting with the archaeologist. The meeting with the archaeologist was played up for more dramatic than I feel it needed to be. And Garibaldi's involvement seemed a little tacked on, but it gave us a good insight into Earth's early involvement with the Shadows. What do the ambassadors think this might lead to? Okay, no opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh. we're kind of in a time crunch here. We've got nine minutes. Yeah. Okay, uh, the Night Watch dude had a real creepy vibe to him, which I suppose reflects good casting. I suspect he's going to have a field day with martial law being implemented. Zach's true loyalties will soon be tested, I suspect. <coughs> Excuse me. I really like the moments between Marcus and Ivanova and Elena and Sheridan, respectively. I think Marcus brings out a side in Susan that we don't get to see too often. I wasn't a fan of Sheridan's sweaty, unshaven look. There must be some bathrooms on the White Star. All the Membari always look immaculate. I thought the battle with the Shadow Ship was nicely innovative. Similar to the one in the first episode, they managed to beat it while still maintaining the sense that it was far more powerful than them. The intervention of the Alexander was a nice touch. Why do people think this was the first atmospheric jump gate opening? Perhaps there hasn't been a ship capable of both atmospheric flight and jump point generation before. Lastly, what do the ambassadors think of the invest of the instigation of martial law? It will have uh, on will have. <laughs> instigation of martial law will have on the station and its inhabitants. Keep up all the great work, folks, and it's most appreciated, as always, kind regards, Michael, UK podcast fan. Well, I definitely Michael. I definitely have a theory, but we'll get into that with predictions. Should we Thanks, do that Mike. now, then? Because you have to leave in like Well, I'm recording, minutes. so I can't oh, leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Ah. <laughs> I'll read this email from Corey really fast. Uh, but in a nice way for you, sorry. Hello, ambassadors in CNC. I'm a tiny weeny bit disappointed that all of the major story arcs, Shadow Ship, War and President Assassination, and the anti-alien attitudes slash Nightwatch seem to be one huge story. I liked the idea they were happening concurrently but independently. Just a minor nitpick. When the bacon and eggs were first delivered to Ivanova, before we knew what they were, my first thought would have was that it was from David Clarence Corwin. Aww. Then I instantly realized it was from Dr. Dr. Bashir's brother. Mark (laughs) looks a lot paler, scruffier version of him to me, although perhaps less so now that I saw him in Dorne last week. Now you're mixing up a lot of references. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Uh, The EIS Agamemnon was only Sheridan's former ship, but was it also the ship that was trapped in hyperspace when our deceased pilot whose name I forget, went looking for it and first sh- saw a shadow ship. I don't know. No, that was Wasn't a that was... ship. Okay. Zach, 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 I want more of your storyline. I agree, Corey. I fully believe you are going to agree to investigate Garibaldi and possibly Sheridan and the others, 
but you will become a double agent, being our main character's eyes and ears inside the Night Watch. I was expecting him to be charged with investigating Captain Sheridan during this episode, and early on possibly even being brought into the the Ranger fold? What do we call the group in the secret meeting? <laughs> Corey. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Corey. The something Thanks, Corey. of light. Conspiracy of light. That's it. Yeah. Uh, last email is from Melanie. I'll take this one. Hi, down below. This is one of my favorite episodes, even more so now that I've been waiting for it for weeks. Sheridan proved that he's good at thinking outside the box when he crushed the shadow ship against Jupiter. This scene also averted the cliche where the heroes are running for their lives, but nobody uses max speed before the captain tells them to. <laughs> Zach must be, must really be regretting that he wanted those extra 50 credits by now. Nightwatch seems to have almost daily meetings. Sheridan left on a Monday and was still gone when Zach was called to the third meeting that week. <laughs> Remember that episode where the techno mages played Narn Opera in Londo's quarters? If that's what Jakar sounded like, I can understand that the other prisoners thought he was being tortured. <laughs> <laughs> Garibaldi seems to understand some Narn and wanted to see Jakar's book. One thing I don't <laughs> understand is why Earth would need to dig up old shadow ships to study them. We already know that Earth is working with Morden, who has a habit of asking people what they want and giving it, except for when he asks fear. Earth is now under martial law, and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Rating, 8.9. Bonus for White Star vs. Shadow Ship, 0.5. Final rating, 9.4 Narnian Books. Okay. Human of the Week, Sheridan, Alien, Dillon. Oh, I just thought, is Jakar actually... Uh, sorry, is C.S. Lewis an alias for Jakar who's travelled back in time? He's writing the line in the Witch's Wardrobe. Amazing. He's the true writer of the Chronicles of Narnia. Wow. Sorry, I'm going to skip quotes since we're running out of time. With best regards, Melanie, the Krakowian beer fan. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks for feedback, everybody. Sorry we had to rush through it this week. Yeah, sorry, guys. So now let's do predictions. The next episode is Point of No Return. Oh. <laughs> is this one we should be uh, commentary? commentarying? Yeah, probably a good one. Okay. Yeah, it can also, I think it's the um, season overall title. Yes, yeah. it is, because Yan yeah. has been uh, using it all season. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, I would love to see y'all commentary every single episode of the season, but I don't think that's practical. We definitely should have done last week's, but... Uh. Um, okay, so, point of no return. This is going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, basically, it's like, my first thought is, this is where, really, things, like, their little council and stuff starts coming to light. Like, there's really... They have to make a choice, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. start finding out about what they're doing or, you know, they actually have to make some kind of decision and stick with it as to what side they're going to be presenting, maybe. I feel like they either have to, and maybe not next episode, but I feel like with that title that if it doesn't happen, then it's not going to happen. I feel like that they either have to take over Babylon 5 and take control of it or they have to abandon it completely. Right, yeah. Some kind of big thing where there's just no pretending anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, and they can't stay there and, like, run the ship under the direction of Earth after right. everyone knows what they're doing. So so there has to be some sort of a breakaway. 
Yeah, it seems so early in the season, but yeah, it's got to happen. Yeah. With the martial law, I mean, who knows what that would look like on Babylon 5, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that would ha- would still have to be... Sorry, guys, usually I mute when the cat starts yelling. The night watch and everything, but, um, yeah, wow. And the size are involved with the shadow shifts, which is not a surprise, but Uh uh, we have confirmation of this, so. So is the merging sort of like what we saw last week with the Gwauld? Oh, when it becomes part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Is that sort of maybe similar to what's happening? Like, does the shadow ship have its own, um, it must have its own, like, agenda and thoughts and I don't know if soul is the right word, but, um, but it just can't be active without an, a something else life form. It's like a symbiotic thing. Something telling it what to do, basically. Yeah, or at least having the life force to make it work. Oh. But, okay, so when we first saw, like, when they had the flashback to Sheridan's wife's ship uh, ended up on that planet, the creatures that they awakened, those were, like, the real shadow, like, the real creatures, and those, in, in theory, are the ones that are inside those shadow ships, normally, right? Um... I'm not like, clear on that. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's very confusing. But, um, yeah, I don't know how... I guess Earth must have found this out from Warden or something. I don't know. But they would have to do this. It's very confusing. Yeah, so. I feel like Morden has to be behind a lot of this. I hope we see him next episode, I actually. I, I do, too. And also, Clark is going to have to do something because... Like, he's going to have to shut the media up or something because, I mean, they were basically saying, you know, we found out that he wasn't really sick. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to have to shut that media down. Yeah, I don't feel like he's controlling the media very well. No. He's controlling a lot of things, but not the media. Yeah. So, yeah, this is really exciting, actually. I lo- I love all the Earth stuff that comes in. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, Erica, thanks for joining us again this week. I hope you'll be back sometime. Yeah, thanks, Erica. Oh, I will try. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed discussing this episode. Yeah, I love talking about Babylon Plot. It's like one of my favorite things. Yeah. And if you can find those comics, send them over. I will. I'm going to, get, I'm going to look for them. Well, not today, because I have to go to work. But as soon as I get time, I'm going to try to find those somewhere. All right. Well, that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time for a point of no return. But until then, goodbye. <laughs> Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. <laughs>